Hey Milksters, Dave here. There is a brand new episode coming right up, but first, a couple of bits of business. You can contact us via email, it's milkingitpodcast at gmail.com. You can contact us via Twitter, it's at teettugger. That's at teettugger. You can contact us via Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash milkingit. You can find all of our archives on iTunes, or if you don't have an iOS device, or you're in your car, or at home, you have a fancy internet radio, or you have your PC or laptop in front of you, you can get us on Stitcher Radio, that's stitcher.com. There's also an app you can download, our full archive is available. Immerse yourselves in the Milking It podcast. Welcome everyone to the Milking It Podcast, the podcast that tugs the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. I'm David Davis. And I am the one and only Welcome to episode 19. Can you imagine? It's episode 19. It's a beautiful sunny day outside, but we're here because not for us the outside world we dwell in the murky cavern of geeky bringing you every scrap of detail from another two weeks of geek thanks to everyone as always who supported the show so much so that we're now proud to announce we're available on stitcher so tell your geeky mates who've been excluded up to now by not having an ios device that they too yes can you imagine they too can join us in the fun of the milking it podcast plus they can spend a dirty day catching up with up to 24 hours of content from our archives it's been an interesting week in the world of geek dave and, I, and episode 19 is about to get underway it's the milking it podcast i've got the So here we are, as we said, it's episode 19 of the Milking It podcast. And as always, I'm sure, Boo, we're starting the geek news with some casting news, are we not? Well, Dave, in a very, very minor role on this uh, this week's episode of the Milking It podcast, we have one small bit of casting news, but it is by no means least of, of small importance. It's of huge importance. Oh. Okay. Uh, I don't know whether you saw this week, but uh, they unveiled the uh, logo for the new TV series Gotham. Of course of course, I saw. Boo. I, I have saw, several yeah. Yahoo updates that come through whenever the name Batman is mentioned online. <laughs> sad, well, Dave, they finally uh, announced mm. uh, the young man playing Bruce Wayne Yes, uh, yeah. And that is the uh, the near un- un- unpronounceable surname of David Mazow. Um, I've not heard of this young man before, but um, if he has any inkling of how important the role he's just got is, then he must be a very happy young man right now. Yeah, I mean, the fact is as well, it's quite interesting because they, they released the... Um, we may as well talk about this now, obviously. I'd save it for oh, TV. You, you saw the press release then, didn't you? Yeah, basically. I've, I've, I've got the press release in front of me. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's, it's online. It's on IGN. It's on uh, Geeks of Doom and, and various Dave, other just websites. read us the most important bit. Well, okay. The most important bit for me, or the most interesting bit for me, was the casting of this guy, uh, David. Oh, <laughs> old DM, as I know him. Um, <laughs> Mr. Mr. M. Yeah. Uh, he's playing, obviously, Bruce Wayne. Uh, is that he's, t- he's going to be playing a 12-year-old. 
So that kind of shifts everything that they've said so far about that idea of first season going towards ending with him putting on the cape and the cowl and becoming yes. the Batman. This hints at this is going a few seasons. <laughs> they've got a plan that this is going to last a while. Um, so if he's 12, this is what confuses me as well. Because basically in the, in the whole situation, right, so they've confirmed that... Um, Selena Kyle is going to be involved in it, obviously the, the future Catwoman, but she will be a teenager as well. So she'll be around Bruce Wayne's age by the sound of it. We've already spoken about the idea of um, Oswald Cobblepot, the, the, who will become the Penguin. And Fish Mooney. And Fish Moody, the wonderful Jada Pinkett Smith, who's become a bit of a friend of the show. And uh, they've also hinted at the Riddler and the Joker being involved as well. Or the they did, features. they actually mentioned them by name. Yeah, and completely. That bit, so that, that was, for me, the most important bit of that press release was when they mentioned yeah you they you will see the origins of you know you will see the origins of the penguin you will see the origins of Calum, you will see the origins of two-face and the origins of the joker which means you know that they are opening the floodgates there for potentially a harvey dent and a joker um origin in there yeah totally but i think that's that's interesting because obviously in in the comic book canon and i know i've, I've spoken out before on the real King podcast and said i'm not a big fan of them saying that everything's got to be canon but i think this seems to be going that way if they're going for the idea of of gordon coming in and this being his first big case is the the murder of the waynes and helping like, a young bruce wayne cope with it and that you know that's been used so many times across various sort of comic book writers and artists um so they bring in like i say selena kyle will be around the same sort of age obviously yeah the penguin has always been depicted as a, an older guy and everything else joker i've always thought is around the same age as batman but i'm i'm not sure how they're gonna play that whether they'll play it a little bit older as sort of that teen who gets into trouble and you know like we spoke about with the killing joke that guy in his very early 20s trying to help his family out and ends up in a situation and under the red mask yeah, but I think that even uh, Red that, Hood. What am I talking about? Red Hood. Red sorry. Hood. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, and going a little bit further with that, and but that seems a little bit further down the line. It seems like it's going to be a very early sort of incarnation of you know the, the character that the Joker was before oh, he became totally. the Joker. I think anyone going in expecting to see the Penguin with you know with his, with his umbrellas mm. and the, the Joker with his you know with his. Um, with his grin and his you know the, the clown prince of that's crime. Yeah, that's definitely it's, not happening. It's not going to happen. Well, no, because you, you look at things. Sorry, just to, sorry, Two Face. You're about to say, yeah. I was about to say Two Face. You'll see Harvey Dent as Harvey Dent. Harvey mm. Dent will obviously be playing because he's an important role. Before before he went mad, obviously he was a good guy. So I think we'll be seeing a good version of Harvey Dent throughout this. But again, theory. in terms of comic book, Harvey Dent to me was not much older than Bruce Wayne. So I wonder whether because they well, always. What's weird? Dave, is I've never thought about age. It's like when you just said now, oh, you know, I always thought the Joker was a bit older than Batman. I had never even questioned it. I've never even thought about Well, the, for me, the... Batman has always been sort of 20, well, probably 25 ish, 25 to 30, that sort of physical, physical peak of. Pinnacle, yeah, yeah. You know, going oh, out yeah. and fighting crime. He's, he's, he disappeared at 18 to go and train and do his own thing, you know, as soon as he could when he was out of school and, and that kind of stuff because he wanted to, you know, provide Gotham with some protection and, and avenge the deaths of his parents and all that. To me, his his villains don't seem that much older than him, in, comic book-wise. I mean, obviously, if you look at the movies and you look at sort of Tommy Lee Jones playing Two-Face and that kind of thing, obviously there was a, a, an age gap there. Uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker was clearly a lot older than, uh, than Michael Keaton's Batman. 
but in terms of comic book canon the the age thing for me has always been a kind of level ground in terms of i've always thought that you know that yin and yang thing of the joker placed them around the same sort of age harvey dent for me was someone that they you know bruce wayne and harvey could have been friends growing up and they'd reached that same sort of point with harvey has gone into one way of getting into law and being a, a, a you know, district attorney and all that kind of thing and bruce wayne had obviously been this playboy who'd come back to gotham so, i mean i know there's been so many incarnations of the stories across multiple you know multiverses and, and that kind of thing but i know it just seemed, it seems interesting to me how they're going to do this because these characters are going to appear but i don't think they're going to appear anywhere near what people think they're going to be I think they're going to be very sort of... It's like going into small... It's like the people that want, that went into watching Smallville yeah. expecting to see a, a cape and, and, you know, the that red was boots. The thing, but they always said with Smallville, you'll never see him in the cape. That was never going if to happen. If you weren't in the know, you didn't know they'd said that. Because yeah, I, I, mean, completely. I, know, I only know that in retrospect, having watched yeah. some documentaries about it. Yeah, yeah. But in no, fact, they, they, hadn't they always said that the very last thing you were ever going to see was him putting on the, the, the cape? Yes, that was a, that was a hint at the, the way they were going to end the series, and that was a, a hint at what they'd originally said in terms of this was going to be it was going to be James Gordon's first year on the job, and he's got you know, and it goes up to the idea of Batman becoming Batman. Doesn't sound like it's going to be that now. It looks like they've found the perfect way in terms of just opening up the universe and saying, no, do you know what we can probably get sort of five or six seasons out of this we can see you know we can leap a few years between each season maybe and you know you see bruce a little bit older a little bit older by the time he gets that final season he's just becoming batman he's returned from his travels gordon's been you know fighting a corrupt police force he'd be fighting these characters who have grown up as well so the penguins become dominant joker's been created as in the final season or whatever but it just are ah, genuine exciting sort of press release the, the the logo itself and nothing really to write home about it's just a cityscape that you've seen many many times but uh no some exciting news though and, and, and like i say pretty much the only casting news that came out this week but some good news in general actually being te- you know those villains being teased and you know a proper synopsis of, of what's going to go down in terms of gotham as a tv series definitely it's, it's definitely come out as more batman-y than people presumed it was going to be originally He's going to focus on. He's going to focus on Commissioner Gordon um, yeah. to begin with, because obviously you can't have a, you can't have the twelve year old protagonist the whole time. No, um, no, because Harry Potter was an awful mistake, wasn't it? That didn't work. Harry. <laughs> Harry what? Harry what? I'll, I'll send you a link. It's on YouTube or something. I'm sure you can watch it. it, it it's just, <laughs> just wizards and shit. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Oh, it's like a British verse of that Disney thing. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, no, some, some interesting news coming out of Gotham this week. Um, so, obviously, our normal process has been completely disrupted by them not announcing no, loads of things. It's okay. Well, you know what? We, we can use this as a lead on, talking of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, they've announced that the Marvel versus DC war we all knew was going to happen eventually is coming. Yeah. Um, with the announcement that Captain America 3 is going to be opening against Superman versus Batman, apparently. Yeah, well, in the States, definitely. I don't know. In the, in the States, in, in yeah. terms of. Whereas Europe, I was State. promised an Avengers 2 Superman Batman showdown, it seems that they've changed the dates around. They've given themselves a bit longer on Superman versus Batman. Well, the tentatively titled Superman versus Batman. Yeah. Superman 2 essentially or Man of Steel 2 sorry we should say is uh, is, is officially the title but yeah Batman versus Superman is uh, the sort of the, the geek-tastic way of describing it interesting 
that they've said Captain America 3 will be out on the same day. That day in the States, if you're an international milkster, will be May the 16th, 2016. Can you imagine living that long? It surprised me that they, they want to put Captain America 3 against Batman versus Superman. It, it works extremely well if you're a punter, if you're going to see films that day, because you can imagine the number of cinemas across the States that will do a double header. Yes. Of just geeky goodness that day of right you can watch Captain America 3 followed by what will ne- will of course be the most popular film you put Dave, Batman and lot, Superman in the film it's your lot versus my lot it's Marvel versus DC but unfortunately oh, I'm I'm more interested to see what they do with Superman versus Batman than I am interested in what they're going to do with Captain America 3 I'm looking forward to Winter Soldier it's, hmm. It doesn't look like a bad movie, but again, with the Marvel movie, live-action movies, yeah. as much as I do enjoy them, I don't know. It's like Iron Man 3. I wasn't really feeling it at that point. Do you know what I mean? Like I really enjoyed yes, the first yeah. Iron Man movie, and it came out of left field and was just so good. Yeah, Marvel seemed to have a really good run when it comes to the to the first parts, but then I kind of lose interest in the sequel, which is bad. But So I'm, I'm kind of gunning for Superman versus Batman on that day. I think there is absolutely no doubt in my mind, and I would put money on it right now, that Batman versus Superman wins that fight without a shadow of a doubt. You, you yeah, put those yes. two characters in a film, there's there's a $2 billion film. Do you, do you want to see a, a sequel to a sequel that yeah. you've already seen the first two and we might add a new character? Or do you want to see the first appearance first of a brand new Batman? On the screen and, appearance yeah. of Batman and Superman. Absolutely. Like on, in yeah. film, film-wise, anyway. Film-wise, completely. I mean, yeah, Sorry, just, just while we're talking Marvel films, to follow on from our conversations from the last two episodes of Milking It, um, I, last night, was fortunate enough to see the Black Widow Punisher animated movie. Okay, uh, sorry, um, sorry. No, one You say you're lucky enough, so you does that mean you enjoyed a Black Widow movie? I thoroughly... Not just because of the Punisher. Um, maybe I have a problem with the very, very, very beautiful Scarlett Johansson's representation of Black Widow. Maybe that's the problem because I watched the animated movie last night. It was Black Widow and Punisher. Yeah. And um, one of the best animated movies Marvel has ever produced. They're not as good as the DC, but we've talked about this. They're not as good as the DC movie continuity, but really, really good. Um, I would compare it. uh, This is going to sound crazy, but as I was watching it, it was. It's obviously been inspired by the Japanese movie The Fist of the North Star. Okay. Because it is, it is lots of kung fu fighting. Mm. It's lots of conversations while fighting. You, you know what I mean by that? Like in the movie, yeah, they're I doing know, the big power yeah. move and they're hitting each other and they're having a conversation the whole time. Mm. But um, action-packed, great story, great voice acting, and just a great movie. Um, it's very much in the Japanese animation style, which is why I've compared it to Fist of the North Star. Just the most compelling animated movie that Marvel has ever produced, and I highly recommend you check it out. It's the Avengers Confidential, uh, Black Widow Punisher, and um, it's yeah, it just blew me away. I was really impressed. And uh, So maybe there is some hope for the character of the Black Widow after all. Maybe it's just the impeccably beautiful Scarlett Johansson uh, that um, is kind of souring my opinion of the character. As we said before, we know that the Black Widow Hawkeye storyline is in there for the fangirls mm. and for the general people that want a bit of a lighter touch to their action. This movie was more full-on action with a very little side bit of romance, but it's hardly there. You don't notice it, and it's not between her and the Punisher, I hasten to add. I'll, I'll yet again, 
correct you on the pronunciation of her name, sir. Uh, but yes, I, I agree. It's probably Scarlett Johansson, as she says it. Uh, I've said Johansson. I've said Johansson. It's... I said your mama. Um... <laughs> you leave her out of this. She's a wonderful woman who's put up with <laughs> a lot. Beautiful, beautiful um... lady. Um... <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. It probably is the Scarlett Johansson way. Uh, Johansson. Uh, of, uh, of doing it that's put you off. This week we join Jay Hodgkin as he makes leaps and bounds and reviews Strider. Strider Hero is cool as fuck. I'd argue maybe the coolest character in video game history. Just look at him. When he stands still, he crosses his arms and allows his scarf to swish around in the wind like a boss. He runs leaning forward, swatting aside the commie soldiers of Kazakh City like blue bottles, like he just doesn't care, and you know what, he fucking doesn't. He uses a weapon that somehow improves the lightsaber, for fuck's sake. He comes from a generation where most of the general public thought that the coolest video game character was a fucking pot-bellied, anthropomorphised hedgehog running around in the nude save for a pair of white gloves and some rip-off converse because the general public sucked the sweat of a cadaver's balls. He didn't care. He's too cool to care. Get this. He makes cartwheels. Fucking cartwheels. Look as cool as ice cold. That takes some doing, and yet no effort at all, because he's so damn cool. He also was in the most mind-blowing creative arcade game of the late 80s, climbing every surface in a manner that would make Spider-Man stroke one out, and at times ignoring gravity because Isaac Newton can go fuck himself. Oh sure, there's been the odd misstep along the way. The US gold-produced Strider 2 was shit, for instance. And so bland that even Hiru himself looked like the sort of dork who makes geek news podcasts. The real Strider 2 by Capcom on the PS2 was kind of cool, but maybe too cool, as you probably haven't heard of it, like it's some sort of ruddy underground band or something. Strider Hero, though, is so cool that he can sod off the game scene for about 20 years and have uncool goofs like me applaud his return as our man crushes in our store cons for unstealthy, biscarf cyber-ninjas are finally sated by just a flash of his little leaf calf. The brief pants-stirrings as a result of his numerous cameos in Marvel vs. Capcom games were not enough. Well, now we can lock the door, turn off our phones, have the hand cream and Kleenex to hand, and fire out 20 years' worth of striderism all over our TV screens while screaming, ah, blessed relief. But his strider's still as cool as Bobby Drake's bullsack, or is he as desperately uncool as a middle-aged portly dad in head-to-toe status quo patched faded denim supervising a teenage girl's party? Yes, to a degree. He's cool enough to get a 19-year-old girlfriend, but she's definitely not beating off the attentions of boys her own age, and she's riddled with daddy issues. Stepping off the analogy bus finally, the game cuts a niche away from its arcade predecessor by heading down the Metroid route. There's a large single world map with areas opened up by a steady supply of ability-giving power-ups. The choice to switch the game to a single location of a sprawling Kazakh city brings both positives and negatives, however. It certainly lends Strider a lot more depth and longevity than its short forebears, extending the second game's 50-minute playthrough time and the first one's piffling 25-minute run-through 
to a stonking six to eight hours. But there are issues with this genre switch, however. Kazakh City itself is a triumph of consistent art direction, but it comes at the cost of the previous game's rich creativity. Where both Striders 1 and 2 took you on a globe-trotting adventure from futuristic nighttime cities to lush jungles, the thin-aired stratosphere and the ice-cold tundra, Strider sticks to what looks like a year 3000 iteration of Middlesbrough on an overcast October Wednesday. Gameplay-wise, it's suitably stridery. He still feels like a badass and gets more and more badass as he gains more abilities. It's a pleasure to spend an extended amount of playing time in his presence and he lends himself well to this genre of game. There are issues. It's very easy in the opening three hours, something that could never be levelled against the earlier games in the series, and Hiru's agility in battle can be compromised by his ability to stick to any surface he gets near. Overall though, it's a suitable upgrade for the coolest cat in coin-ups and gets a solid three and a half thumbs out of five. You still got it, Grandad. Also in movie news this week, uh, well, across the past two weeks, because it has been a while since we've, we've been uh, back with you. Apologies for that, Milsters, but uh, stuff goes on in our lives. Um, there's been a few... Uh, prop, well, we love a reboot, or sometimes we hate a reboot on the Milky Podcast. Uh, Booley, there has been a couple of reboots announced, I believe. Abe, I have a handful of reboots here. Oh, a big fistful of reboots. A big fistful of reboots. The first one is a reboot that uh, I think you know a little something about, something that I was only made aware of recently, hmm. and something that I'm not entirely excited about at all, uh, and that is the new Matrix movies. Yeah, I... <laughs> This is. It was quite an interesting one because this was announced literally hours after we we put up our last podcast, and I, I was hoping to kind of get some more information about it. But they've not really um, announced a huge amount about it. Um, however, it sounds as if it's going to be a prequel trilogy. So obviously, we we know that prequel trilogies have a big history. Obviously, you know you've got things like uh, the Hobbit, which has got the, the their awful sort of stuff that's uh, happening with that not a big fan of the hobbit it has to be said i'm a big fan of lord of the rings but the hobbit so far for me has been a big disappointment uh, i don't know whether we've actually spoken about the hobbit or lord's rings on the milk podcast before um, but, i so. think i think we've mentioned that i'm not exactly a, a tolkien fan i'm i mean i'm really mm. really looking forward to the the new game is it shadows of mordor yes that sounds very interesting it looks yeah. incredible the video that uh, yeah. the gameplay video that um that they put up not that long ago was absolutely fantastic. Multiple routes of do- ways of doing things. Um, you have the power to go in and out of the world that you're in when you put the ring on. I'm going to get stuff thrown at me by Tolkien fans. I don't know what any of that's called. I apologise. Um, yeah, that <laughs> game looked top notch. It looked like a mixture of Assassin's Creed and like, Lord of the Rings lore. Yeah, definitely. They've, they've really mixed things up, and they've they've actually taken it upon themselves to use a lot of stuff that isn't. Tolkien, uh, which has angered some fans, like I say, but uh, it does sound like it's going to be very interesting. Um, but in terms of the Matrix prequels, they're going the way of Star Wars, basically. So uh, obviously we had the original Star Wars films that everyone knows and loves and thinks is wonderful and, and is actually probably okay. But um, yeah, anyway, so we've got the original Star Wars trilogy. They did a prequel trilogy. The Matrix is now going to do exactly the same. Oh, wait a minute, I hear you say. Did they not do that before with a certain little thing called the Animatrix? Well, Which was the best thing to come out of the Matrix series, in my opinion. Absolutely. If you haven't checked out the Animatrix, Milksters, I would urge you to go and watch it. It's, oh, honestly, just 
Wonderful. It's about 10 years old, and the yeah. animation from the first segment still mm. holds up as top-notch. It's It started uh, a bit of a trend with films doing that, and I know obviously we've, we've spoken about Batman doing it. That, that's to, correct, the, the know, Gotham yeah. Knights or whatever it was called, the uh, the prequel to that. Yes, yeah. Anthology. The anthology stuff, and, that, and it, it had that sort of uh, MTV <laughs> animation style of doing different... Um, we've talked about... It. What, what was the series we, we spoke about here on the, the podcast, which was um MTV series that had... Uh, the original Aeon Flux animations uh, liquid, in it. That would be Liquid Television. David. Liquid Television, there you go. I actually, I don't know whether we spoke about it on air, but we, I think we have spoken about it. Just in case you're not aware, Milkers, Liquid mm. Television was a TV show that was shown by MTV in the 1990s, and it would showcase different animators and different short animation styles. Between you and me, Dave, I actually still have a copy of the Best of Liquid Television Volume 1 video VHS. Do you know um, what? And th- there's a lot of it on YouTube as well, because I, I was watching some of the stuff the other day. And it, it kind of annoys me because I, you know, MTV, for me, if they could be doing that sort of thing now, would be brilliant. But MTV, and this is going to make me sound like an old man, but MTV now is like my big fat teen mom wedding or whatever they do. Dave, do you know what? Unfortunately... Not too long ago, they announced that they were going to, uh, while we were on the subject of reboots, they were about to reboot Liquid Television. Really? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> maybe that's, that's had, maybe that's the conversation we've had, but I don't. I definitely don't think we've had that well, on the podcast. No, because that was a conversation I had with my uh, totally insane tape show uh, podcast co-host, Mr. Dino Peppers. Ah, just getting a plug-in for your other podcast there, sir. Sneaky, you like the way I sneaky. did? I, I, well done. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Really? Okay, but no, I, I would quite happily watch a, a Liquid Television reboot because I just remember being, uh, however old I was, 15, 16, and, and watching those and the Aeon Flux animations really freaked me out because I wasn't used to that sort of anime sort of uh, sort of style of doing stuff. I but... forgot that she died at the end. Every, at the end, of, it's not spoiler. At the end of every episode, she pretty much fails her mission and dies. Yes, and yeah, yeah. She, she dies in different ways. That's really interesting and. Um... But yeah, there was, so, it was a, a really wonderful sort of collection of different animation styles and animators and things like that. But I, I would urge anyone, if if you're listening to this podcast, pause it now, go have a little look on the old YouTube and uh, check out a bit of uh, a bit of that because it was genuinely really, really worth doing. But anyway, so I, I was talking about the Animatrix. Um, the Animatrix, that what they're saying is the Wachowski siblings, as they're now known, uh, is uh, yes, I was going to say when did that, when did uh, not Andy? It's the other the other um, person became Lana. So I, I God, I always have to be careful with it. I'm milking a podcast. She's well, I, uh, I cannot... she's a transsexual, which you know, obviously she's she's had the she had the op- no, but I can't remember yeah. what her name used to be. It was Andy and I don't know. I don't, I don't have the information in front of me, and I don't want to offend anyone by saying no, something that's uh, uh, crass. Um, as you know, <laughs> I, I always try and avoid that on the Milky podcast. Um, but w- what they've said in terms of the Animatrix is that it won't have any relevance to the prequels. These are going to be three brand new films. They won't necessarily be involving any characters that you've seen. Uh, obviously, some will pop up in, in, as they normally do. But um, it certainly you can hope to God it won't involve Keanu Reeves. But uh, we, we shall see. Uh, obviously, The Matrix is well known for being one good film and two okay films. Um, that, let's, let's say, let's say one. Let's say a good prequel, a good first film, and then two bombs. They, <clears throat> Dave, I, I probably I don't know whether I told this story in the Mooklet podcast, but in my life, I have only ever walked out of two films in the cinema. One was Ben Debbie Dick does Beckham. 
Oh, no, not sorry. Debbie does that. I would not have walked out of that day, but I would have finished off. I would have finished <laughs> off stumbled and watched out the rest of the movie with your trousers no, the round two your films I have walked out of. Mm. Bend it like Beckham. One of the worst comedy. Uh, I think it was meant to be a comedy that I've ever that, seen yeah, to the point the, where the I couldn't fo- take it anymore. And the second was The Matrix Reloaded. Really? Yeah, I actually had to walk. Like they wow. were bad. No, no, that, that's fair enough. I mean, I, Revolutions for me was was the worst. Was I that think, the third one? Yes, that was the third one. I mean, I so didn't... When I, I've seen the part where he dies Christ-like. I, uh... mm. it's, I don't know. It, it's a weird... Because for me, the thing about The Matrix was that, obviously, it, it's a really interesting concept. And you know, it, it, it marks a point where special effects suddenly became affordable and very, very good. So the first Matrix, if you can't imagine, it, it was the film that sold DVD movies when DVD first came yeah, out. Yeah, it was one of the first DVDs I'd ever seen, actually. Because it was it was that film that you didn't want to watch on VHS. It, 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 you know, it just looked amazing. The concept was good. The number of... Oh, I was going to say a really rude word then. The number of people <laughs> who went to my age, because obviously I was at college, I think I was at, uh, doing media studies at college. The number of people who would go to fancy dress parties <laughs> dressed like Keanu Reeves in the Matrix Neo. <laughs> oh, God. was embarrassing. I, th- I, am, I am not proud to admit, around that time of 1999, I did own a, uh, a knee-length leather coat um, and sunglasses that probably made me look like an utter prick did you have um, the phone that flicked out the bottom um d- no i didn't have a mobile phone until 2002 so <laughs> i was i was one of those boring hipsters who sat around going no i don't need a mobile if people need me they can just you know like talk to me when they see me and stuff uh, whereas now I realise I do need a mobile because it's probably how I live most of my I life. I actually hate. Uh, sorry, I actually hate mobile phones. I'm not a fan of phones. I love a bit of Skype though. Um, <laughs> I must admit, I do enjoy a Skypey a Skypey chinwag now and then. A Skypey chinwag sounds like uh, a, a very perverse uh, sexual practice. Um, but yes, it's so... actually my porno name. I'm Skypey chinwag. <laughs> oh my god! I thought I recognised those knees. <laughs> um... <laughs> Voice, isn't it? So. Yes, The Matrix is getting a, a, a reboot. Are there more reboots we can talk about? Yes, that? David. It's ironic <laughs> you just say that. Thank goodness. Get us out of that talking, comedy comedy. Talking of reboots. Here we go, Dave. They are planning a Batman Begins style origin story for a new Zorro movie. Ooh, okay. So Zorro... The Blade of Zorro, the Mark of Zorro. You know, the... it's a classic character. And yes, in fact, yeah. so you told me an interesting little tidbit of uh, milking it factoid earlier, Dave. Well, <clears throat> yes, indeed. So Zorro has been around a long, long time. Zorro was created in 1919. So we're talking about a, a, you know, a long while. So we're even going back further than the reboot they've recently done with Johnny Depp, which we've talked about, destroyed, and got very annoyed about, uh, of the Lone Ranger. So Zorro is uh, a sort of Spanish hero and everything else. If you, if you don't know what we're talking about, have a little look on Wikipedia. It, it, it brings up all the interesting uh, tidbits of information. He's known for the domino mask. He's known for doing the little blade Z on things when he runs away because he's got his little blade. Um, but the, the interesting tidbit, if they're doing a Batman Begins style reboot, is that uh, when Frank Miller did the uh, reboot of the Batman franchise with the, his comic books, he uh, changed the canon of Batman and he made 
the film that the Waynes had gone to see on the night that they get killed when they're walking out of the Monarch Theatre in Gotham was the Blade of Zorro. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It was the Mark of Zorro, you fool. Carry on. Excellent. So it, everything comes around full circle. It certainly does. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure who, who owns the rights to it now or anything, but... Uh, it certainly sounds interesting that they're going to uh, Dave, do, you, do, do you think the world is ready for a Zorro film? It wasn't ready for a Lone Ranger reboot. What makes us think... If you think about it, those kind of pulp comic book things have never been massively successful. Starting with The Rocketeer, uh, that didn't do too good. And well, there, then, was, um, there was a reboot of Zorro in... Oh, I want to say... Is the late 90s, early 2000s? You're talking about the Antonio Banderas. 2005 time. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna bring it up. Antonio Banderas, um, it was... Um, yes, The Mask oh, of Zorro. Uh, no, no, no The Legend of Zorro. Yeah, The Legend of Zorro. It was Anthony yeah, Hopkins, uh, Antonio Banderas, and uh, Mrs. Douglas herself, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Ah, no, you're thinking... Right, okay, so I had... I'm sorry. Right, okay, Milk says I don't make things up. I am trying to... I've got the information oh, no, in front no. of me. Um, so, in 1998, they did The Mask of Zorro which was Anthony Hopkins as Don Diego Dalvelga. Uh, Antonio Banderas played the new Zorro. Yeah. And then in 2005, they did a sequel to that called oh. The Legend of Zorro. So they have done two films, not recently, but within the last 10 years. So I'd, I'd be interested to see if, they, if they're saying, OK, we're going to do a sort of Batman Begins style reboot. Does that mean they're going to go down a sort of Nolan verse idea of everything has to be real and we're going a bit darker and we're going to have Hans Zimmer doing a boom, 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 You saved my life. Who are you? I'm Zorro. Kind of soundtrack. The Hans Zimmer. <laughs> call, call me an idiot, but I didn't realise that Hans Zimmer did the soundtrack for Mass Effect. Which is why it's so fucking epic. It, um, precisely, which is why I, I was thinking, all the way playing Mass Effect 3, was that it kept having that thing coming in. I'm like, well, that's a, he said, that's a bit Batman. He, Hans Zimmer said <laughs> that is the, one of the worst things he's ever done, is create that Inception noise, because it is in now is now in every trailer, yeah. every game trailer. Yeah. Like, um, good it's, example. It's become his Danny Elfman. Yeah, totally. Um, if you go back and watch the Prometheus, the first trailer, yeah. it's literally like, Bong. Prometheus. Go, Bong. And, go and watch the new Godzilla trailer, and that is Bong. full of that. <laughs> it's an editor's dream, because that's the, that is the perfect, having edited video before, that is the perfect kind of cut. Thing to do of that sort of sweeping oh, no, yeah, shot it it's it's a good sort of flash shot moment with that uh, that thing but Hans Zimmer well done sir <laughs> but no I'd be very interested to see what they do with it if they if they go a bit darker with it if they do something different with it because as far as I remember the the idea of the Mask of Zorro and the Legends of Zorro they still played it quite traditional and everything else so you know if they, yeah it'd be, be interesting to to see exactly what they do it's going to be called Zorro Reborn there you go. There you go. And Zorro it's going, it's going, Reborn. Yeah, and it's going to start. You've got the, the Legend of Zorro, the Mask of Zorro, and then this new reboot is Zorro, Zorro Reborn. Reborn. Yeah, which is going to star Gail Garcia Bernal, apparently, which will be very interesting. Oh, of course. From yeah. um, 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 the latest uh, Bond film. Uh, Wasn't yes, he the, the villain? Yeah. yeah. Yes, the, yes. Amazing, yes. amazing actor. Very, very good actor. Excellent. Well, no, I, I haven't actually seen the Bond remake. I must. Uh, uh, sorry, the the last Bond film. I must admit, but um, 
by all accounts, is very good. So if he's well, the villain, I actually then... no. Sorry, I stand corrected. I'm I'm literally finding this information out because you mentioned this earlier to me, and I didn't even know. There's two films in the works for Zorro. Really? Well, yeah. I, I was only aware of one remake, so please. Okay, so uh, the, the the information I've got in front of me now, and uh, you can tell that we prepare well for this, uh, Milksters. Twentieth uh, Century Fox is working on the reboot called Zorro Reborn with Gail Gail Garcia Bernal in the title. Bernal. Thank you. I like. It was quite good that one. I want to order some tapas. Um, uh, is is in the title role um that script is is done it's in the bag they're working on that now sony pictures also plans another film with a script by chris Boll, which is based on a novel it's less of a traditional swashbuckler and more of a dark knight style unveiling of the character with backstory gritty maybe, realism and emotion maybe i've crossed Maybe I've crossed my uh, reboot news over then. Maybe there's a, maybe this reboot, yeah, these two reboots are one traditional and one in the vein of Batman Begins. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So there's, there's two films from two different studios. Um, so obviously it, it's a, it's a sort of a, it's something that is is public domain in terms of people being able to use the character stuff, which is very. Oh, important. really? In which case, next week, milking it presents. Zorro. Milking it presents Zorro. Zorro is milking it. Yes, I, I shall go and work on my mask now. But uh, that sounds that sounds very interesting. Um, I shall th- go and work on being a senorita. <laughs> There's no work needed. So. Um, <laughs> the the other reboot, sorry, very quickly, uh, just to mention, um, was that uh, they've announced a, a totally unnecessary remake in my in my eyes. But uh, Michael Bay, everyone's favourite. Michael Bay. Oh, um, Dave, yes, totally. Um, mm. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm getting cross with Mr. Bay. First of all, he takes my turtles. No, let's start from the. First of all, he takes, takes my Transformers. Transformers. Yes. Then he takes my turtles. Mm. Oh, and so. now he is. It, admittedly, he's only going to be producing on this, um, but it's still him involved. So it, it, obviously, he will have some say. Uh, he's going to produce a remake. Of one of the greatest horror movies of all time, um, and, and I've no doubt he'll treat his actors and actresses with a little bit more respect than the original director. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you've ever seen, <laughs> yes, there's, um, yeah, there's a very interesting documentary about that where they they interview several of the original cast members and they describe their uh, their experience working on the film. The film is The Birds. Alfred Hitchcock's classic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the few horror movies that I've actually watched because I'm a, I am a big Hitchcock fan. I, I, I love his work. And uh, it, it was disappointing to read afterwards, like you say, the, the, the treatment that the, the actors had on, on, this, on uh, the set. But uh, yeah, a, a simple question to you, Boo. Why are they what? doing this? <laughs> uh, well, well, absolutely, Dave. Some, it's not necessary. Um, it's not a film that this generation ultimately needs. I mean, if you look at the, the previous Hitchcock remakes, like Psycho, they did a they did a shot-for-shot shot remake of Psycho that went nowhere. Uh, it was fairly... It was a Gus Van Sant film, yeah. yeah. It was, and he's a he's a very good actor, uh, yeah. excuse me, writer, producer, yeah. and um, director. He wrote Kids, did he not? Mm-hmm. Kids, Didn't he do um, um, Elephant as well? It, yes, he did. he's very good yeah. at those kind of angsty mm. um, movies. So, yeah, there's... You know, the Hitchcock remakes have been done before, but um, we're talking about a guy who specialises in action movies. Yeah. This and is, Turtles, yeah. action movie. Transformers, action movie. Michael Bay makes action movies. There's no need for him to produce the, the birds. But it's going to happen whether we want it or not. So, um, 
No, completely. I, I just think it's a shame that you know, people can't go back. And again, this is going to sound me sound sounds me. It's going to make me sound like a, a an old aging media studies student. But it's a shame that people just don't get the chance to go back and revisit those films. You know, I'd rather people get the chance to go and watch the originals at the cinema than or on iTunes or you know Netflix or however <clears throat> you access what you what you watch nowadays. But it just seems a shame that the only way they'll go back and watch the original is if oh suddenly I'm interested in the original because there's a new version coming out and you know that's yes that's led to me watching a few things that I probably wouldn't have watched but I, I just think if, we've we've talked before on the podcast about sacred cows I think there's a few Hitchcock films that are sacred cows and the birds is one of them you would have thought Psycho was the first one you wouldn't touch, but then that's the one they do. I mean, if we get a Vertigo and a North by Northwest one, then we're, we're, his, you know, his, most of his major films ruined. Not ruined. How, who am I to say that when I haven't seen the reboot? I, I, they may not be all that bad, but they won't be the That's original. the thing. Is I don't think it ruins the original. I just think <clears> it's <throat> a pointless exercise. And why not put your time and effort into producing a brand new film that's influenced by the birds in exactly the same way as we said about the Naked Gun reboot? Why not just go and write a really fucking good comedy that is based on a police officer who bumbles around and gets things wrong and it's got some really good slapstick gags and everything else? You don't need, why, you don't yeah, need the name. You don't need the name Frank Drebin. Completely. So I, I don't think in this day and age, putting the birds on your the front of your cinema is going to bring people in to watch a, a film no, i no. think if you created a film that was anywhere near as good and still genuinely scary 1960 that film was made and there's not a lot of horror films from 1960 that still stand up and are genuinely scary but if you watch the birds i could honestly <laughs> now i could watch it straight away and it, there are moments in it that still really get to you there's some genuine fear there. And, and as we know, it's genuine fear in the eyes of the actors that are involved. Um, I just think it's a, it's a shame that, you know, they've had to, to go down that route. No, no I, no, I agree. Talking of Sacred Cows, Dave, um, I don't know whether you're aware of this, the last remake we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. That I've got I've got on my list anyway. Um, <clears throat> in the 1980s, there was, a, an, uh, there was a little adventure movie starring River Phoenix, Ethan Hawke and Jace, uh, Jason Preston. Now, um, this movie was about three boys who um, start receiving signals from what they what they think is an alien spacecraft. So they create um, with this information an alien, uh, sorry, a, a spaceship, and they go into space and meet the person sending the the, the uh, creatures sending the message. And uh, that film was The Explorers, and they're now planning a remake. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, it's very. It's a great movie. It's eighties tastic. I mean, it's in the similar vein as like the Monster Squad and um, kind of you know the, those kind of movies. And of course, you get to see the young talents of River Phoenix uh, and Ethan Hawke. So, uh, highly recommended going to see the original. I've got no idea what they're going to be doing with this remake. I've literally just got in front of me that they they are planning this remake, and it's being talked about seriously. It's a it's a great story and. Um, I think it might it may be a reboot that might actually benefit from modern cinematography and uh, special effects because it's got a really cool 80s feel to it but uh, it's one of those movies where it, I don't think a reboot will do it any harm I think it, it, it was one of those films and I, I only know of it from a bit of a sort of cult 
it's got a bit of a cult following to it because um, from what I remember seeing about the film was that it was never actually properly finished. Um, from what I remember reading is it it was they they the the studio told them to stop editing the film and rush it out because they wanted a release for the summer holidays in the states. So yeah, it was it was released in the summer of nineteen eighty five. Yeah, they so they didn't have time to actually finish the film, so it, it absolutely flopped because it. it you know the the special effects weren't done in time. You know the the editing wasn't done in time. Yet they they've now become a bit of a cult film. So maybe it is chance. You know if it's a good story and it's an interesting story, then like you say, if it's got that sort of new special effects behind it, it's got that new production value, and they give them time to tell the story, then it'd be very interesting to see what they do with it. I'm Barry Scott. Are you having problems with your everyday podcast? Well, why don't you grab some tin? It's the Totally Insane Tape Show featuring Dino Peppers and Poon and reviewing the very best and very worst of cult cinema. Get it in your kitchen, get it in your ear. I'm Barry Scott. The following is brought to you by 8oClockComics.com, the home of really mature comic books. <laughs> Definitely having a belt drill, mate. 8clockcomics.com We draw stuff. So, Dave, um, mm-hmm. one of our top, top reviewed games of last year and one of the most hyped and well-reviewed games of last year was, of course, PlayStation 3 exclusive The Last of Us. I don't know whether you got a chance to, to have a little go on this. Do you know what? I, I, I mentioned it uh, well in one of our first podcasts, I think, uh, was that no, I didn't because it was just as I was leaving a previous job and uh, it, it hurt me to think that I'd have to... Uh, in between finances. Yeah, have to buy something without staff discount. Uh, so I never got around to to purchasing it and then i got rid of my playstation 3 so i now no longer unfortunately have uh, have a way to play it but i've heard only good things and it, it recently won big at the uh, the sort of game baftas uh well, well dave uh, one of the most engrossing things about the last of us was the storyline hmm. um and um it, it was so well received that they've announced that they're actually going to be making a movie of the last of us and it's going to follow the storyline of the game to a t so it basically is just going to mirror the game but with live action actors and live special effects. Oh, okay. So, so are they are they pitching this at people that wouldn't normally play games but deserve to I think, experience? I this think maybe it's such an important thing. it's such an important story and such an important game. I mean, it really was very emotional. Hmm. Um, I know a many a man who burst into tears uh, in the within the first twenty minutes uh, of that game. Wow. Um, because there's a very painful bit of imagery for them and. Um, friend of mine he's a, he's a father he's um, he's got one child and he played for the first 20 minutes and he said it, it, he was so uh, emotionally struck by that first little intro bit that it kind of haunted him for the rest of the game and he was kind of very it made him a bit more timid towards the game than he would have if it had just been like a, a first person shooter but yes the last of us movie has been announced it's, it's going to take a few years but um, i think it is a definitely worthwhile story and it's uh, it's something that i'm i'm glad that more people are, are going to be able to um, to understand the story of and get behind and uh, as long as they keep the original ending yeah uh, it will st- it will cause and spark the same sort of debate between people that the uh, that the video game did well, no, no, I agree. I, I look forward to watching it as a film. Like I said, because I can't play it, I'd rather stay away from spoilers in terms of the story. And and if they do it, you know, in the same way and can evoke that emotion. But was the emotion 
brought by purely by cutscenes, or was the emotion brought to you from getting involved with those characters and playing the game? That's the interesting thing for me. Not a lot of cutscenes, Dave. Not a right. lot of cutscenes. Um, a lot of the time, you are in control of what's going on, and the cutscene graphics are very similar to the to the in-game. They're made using the in-game engine. Right. Okay. So um, it's it's tough to distinguish sometimes. But I just wonder whether because. I mean, we've we've spoken about it before about whether whether playing a game is a more immersive thing than watching a film. But I think you know a good film can be as immersive as playing a game. But if you've invested, because I'm guessing right, you look at a film average running time sort of ninety minutes to two hours. The game must have lasted longer than that. The game lasts a lot longer than that. But I think also you've got to take into account the amount of time it takes, like. Obviously, the game is going to run a lot longer than the movie. Mm. But then the movie isn't a th- like a third-person experience. It's 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 more involving. So you you can die. Like there are there are bits where you might get stuck or you'll die or or you Completely. won't know the, the right way or the shortest route to something. I think I mean you can probably get the sum total of the game in about two and a half hours. It's going to be a long film. There's it's, no doubt about that. But I just wonder if you've and I'm playing devil's advocate now in all honesty but if you've spent sort of 12 hours invested with these characters and you've helped them get through situations yes I know what you mean do you get that or can you possibly recreate that in a cinema or would it be a a much more passive experience you're talking about the kind of experience where you kind of care for the little girl in The Walking Dead you go through Mm, the of course yes yeah yeah, you go through the uh, Clementine, you go through mm. the experiences with Clementine and you kind of feel a bond towards her because you are actively making decisions on her behalf. Whereas, yeah. whereas obviously a film is a completely, you're not making any decisions. All you can do is will certain characters on and want certain characters to do things, but you've got no direct interaction in what's going on. Mm. Um, maybe. I mean, I, d- d- I just wonder whether, sorry to interrupt you, but I, d- I just wonder whether obviously video games to films don't have the best lineage and and history and, and oh, I, Dave, I, bring... I, mean, I don't get i don't get as emotional over the super mario brothers movie as i do get. <laughs> i would get quite emotional if someone made me watch the new need for speed movie because that sounds fucking dreadful <laughs> just you, why bother you've already got fucking um what's it called Two, the fast and the furious and you've got films yeah. that are basically what inspired those games anyway no completely and I, I agree and you know you, you have to look at the reviews that that film's getting to know that it, it's uh, it, it's, a, su- not it's sure a video game film it. that's what they have known for being crap but maybe this walk maybe this the it's last weird as well, can, though, um... because do you remember like back in the day when we were kids the the thing that was known to be crap was the uh, video game version of a film it, yes it was always the the ocean software uh, like Robocop or Batman. It's funny that whatever. Robocop was the first one you mentioned because I could never get off the first screen. No, you go it through was a good. door, there's a conveyor belt, yep. there's a baddie, <laughs> dead. You'd spend like 20 minutes loading the fucking thing and then you'd die within 20 seconds. You'd stick like... it on, you'd go down for your dinner, yeah. let that load, come up, it's nearly finished. Do you know what I yeah, got? I, I when I got my Commodore sixty four, it came with a, I think it was like a it was what was called the movies pack, the Hollywood it, movie pack. Yeah, it had like, like it had Clive Barker's Nightbreed. It had Batman, Batman, RoboCop, and ah, oh, Indiana re- Jones. Indiana Jones. Yes, there we go. And I, and I remember I'm, it. I had it on the Spectrum. It was 
absolutely dreadful. Even the Batman game was disappointing, unfortunately. The only good Batman game I remember on the Commodore was one where when you walked through a panel, the next panel, it, it went behind. So it looked like a comic book thing of going through different panels. I remember having to fight the penguin and stuff like that. I need to look that up and uh, have a little look on YouTube. But yes, yeah, unfortunately, Ocean Software were well known for producing really bad platform game versions of the current big movies where it was that classic thing of the 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 front cover on the on the cassette would look nothing like anything you're going to encounter and it was a long time before the graphics matched the box art in terms of computer games (laughs) in the uk definitely oh yes totally um yeah so yeah no that'd be interesting to do another milking it tangent there but yeah uh definitely very interesting to see uh exactly what they're going to do with with the last of us movie i think um be interesting same as they're, they're talking about an uncharted movie as well i don't know if we've mentioned that previously they have, they, they have mentioned an uncharted movie and i um, i think i mean the character of nathan drake is very much based on nathan fillion so i mean if they don't get him into play he doesn't do the voice but he does look like nathan drake and obviously they hmm. share the first surname so uh Hopefully that they'll do they'll do right by that. But um, whereas The Last of Us does, I think that will translate well to a video game uh, to a movie. Sorry, from the video game, something like Uncharted would just basically be a Tomb Raider slash Indiana Jones ripoff because that is you know who inspired those games. So you would have to have all the charm of the script um, to yeah. kind of back you up on that. I think an Uncharted movie would be all right. Definitely, I mean, it's certainly one of the most cinematic games I've played, um, and it's one of those games that when when you're playing it, if well, I know we've we've talked about games being a solo pursuit, but if you do end up playing a game with someone else in the room, it's one of those games you can quite happily watch someone else play because yeah, it, it's it's very striking visually. It's yeah, very cinematic. it's beautifully done and beautifully framed, and it, it's obviously people have come from the sort of the genre of cinema to to do that game because you could you know that you can definitely see it in in the work they've done but no interesting to see see what they do with that in terms of uh, in terms of those games turning over to films uh thankfully no one's thought of doing a, a grand theft auto film or trying to you know, justify that sort of thing uh, there's but, already a film called grand theft auto <laughs> there is it that's quite an old film though isn't it it is a very old film i think it's actually directed by um oh born by Richie Cunningham himself, old. Um, oh, really? Uh, Ron Howard. Oh, I see, all, I see. All Mark, somebody. I know it was somebody. It may have been Ronnie Howard. Oh, okay. No, fair enough. Um, <laughs> interesting to, to not to, based on the film though, uh, on the video game. On though. the video game. No, unfortunately, no, no, not not at all. Um, but t- talking of uh, games and fan films and trailers and things that have been out, uh, it's a it's a tenuous link, but we're not beyond those on the Milky yeah. Podcast. Um, you posted something to me today, um, or sent me a link either today or yesterday, um, of a Fallout fan film called Lost and Found, which I had I had a good opportunity to watch. I don't think Boo's got round to watching it yet, even though I have. I will tonight. Days. I will tonight, definitely. Very interesting, and a, a, a very well done. Have a look on YouTube, guys. Um, for it's called the Fallout Lost slash Found. Uh, it's a fan made fan made film trailer and just shows how a Fallout Three could work in terms of a visual. It's um, it's a little bit student filmy in places, but overall 
the idea is quite cool and it shows how the setting would work and everything else and and i could imagine if they put the sort of money behind a fallout 3 uh tv series that they have like with the walking dead or something like that i genuinely think that could be a massive hit it looks very atmospheric and you just think the characters that are involved in fallout and the way it's set and the the, the, the adventures that these guys could go on trying to survive that's your next walking dead hbo that's your next dead Walking Dead, ABC, or whoever uh, does it. HBO, or whoever you lot are. Yeah, no, it's ABC, I think, you do it in the States. We've talked about this before, haven't we, because of the comic book men with Kevin Smith. Um, which, no, genuinely, it's good. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, that's another little bit of uh, gamey news that I saw this week. So, uh, the other bit we've uh, t- uh, that I want to talk about tonight, I saw it online. Uh, got my blood boiling, sir. Got my blood boiling. Because on the Milking podcast, we like to be a definitive voice in terms of what's happening in the world and and unfortunately someone's let us down yet again i've been let down by my dong the creator of flappy bird has announced in a rolling stone interview that he is possibly bringing it back so after all we've done all we've talked about jay did a whole segment on it he's now saying he's actually going to bring it back he's rejected offers of other software houses to buy it and they, they you know he's, he's not regretting his decision to take it down but he is saying he is thinking of bringing it back but it would come with a warning apparently um which is please take a break so no no reference to don't send me abuse don't attack what i was I've gonna done. say like what where in that, that's the only difference I don't remember. I don't know if you remember, Dave, but on the, on a few episodes ago, ago when we were talking about Flappy mm. Birds, I said that I downloaded it solely because he said he was taking it off, and I said that if he if he went back on this, the guy's a fucking evil genius. Um, I, I do have respect for him for taking it down, and I get that he's genuine. I get that in his society, in his culture, mm. having money isn't necessarily a blessing. You can, no, it can be a curse because you you know you're the richest person where you are, and people want help, but um. He was making what was it? Was it fifty thousand dollars a day on fifty thousand dollars a day from purely from advertising revenue? Yeah, completely. So I mean, as I'm sure Jay and, and, and you mentioned on the previous milking it, there's for fifty thousand a day. I, I happily let people abuse me verbally and, and via email, but the guy, um, the guy wasn't wasn't happy, so he took it off, and now now he's bringing it back. I'm, and is well, that I... the only difference, or is it a Flappy Bird HD Special Remix Edition? <laughs> no, no, no. He's just he just hinted at the idea that yes, he he could bring it back, but with a clear precaution. He said, "Please take a break." Um, I I think he's misunderstanding the world of apps. Um, the bubble may well have burst on this, sir. Uh, there has been so many clones of this to come out after it that have been so much better apparently in terms of the, the way you can play them and the fun they are. I think this is the whole kind of situation that things like draw something which you know, which was the biggest thing for like 10 minutes and then just disappeared. Um, there's, there's always that next thing that everyone's playing and, Oh, you've got to get, Oh, it's candy crush. Oh, everyone get on board. It's candy crush, which lasts again, like a couple of weeks. And then, Oh, what's the next thing that we can all play? We're going to play, Oh, you know, peggle or whatever it is. Um, song pop um i think it, it, it's one of those things he, he's not quite understanding that if he puts it back up there as a free app there is not going to be 
the furore that there was before. Oh, because it, the know. people that want it have got yeah. it. Completely. And everyone who was like, oh my God, it's Flappy Bird. And like you said, you, you downloaded it because he said he was taking Solely it off the Solely because store. he said he was going to take it off. That I had no interest in it before. I'd seen it. I'd heard about it. I'd seen people playing it. Yeah. Had no interest in owning it. In fact, as soon as I got it, I played it twice and, and got rid of it. But, Completely. Um, so it, I, ju- I just think he's misjudging the... Um, the, the whole idea of an app and everything else. I think he's he's had his 15 seconds of fame and I don't see it being as popular or as, as interesting uh, for people in terms of an offer that, that he can do. But looking, actually, while we're talking about iOS, and I know this is normally uh, Jay's thing to do uh, with his uh, sticky fun, uh, sticky thumb, fun emporium. I'll edit that. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, they've they've said about a brand new Crazy Taxi game. We've yes, spoken and, about Crazy uh, Taxi. I love Crazy Taxi. Yes. Back in the day. In fact, I think on um, on our mini milk uh, vino with Dino, we discussed the, the wonders of uh, the uh, Crazy Taxi game because he managed to download it for his PC on some really dodgy emulator, which we can't we can't advise. Milksters, that you should never do that. Always go to the proper and original source to get your uh, material. But uh, yeah, it's a crazy taxi. One of the first games I ever played on uh, the PlayStation. Uh, PlayStation come... David? No, the original was in the arcade, followed by the Dreamcast version. And you Sony people were lucky that uh, at that point Sega had gone bust in the world of consoles and allowed you lucky people to have the games that we've been enjoying for so long. Oh well, I, I'm sorry gaming purists but uh, <laughs> i was i was far too busy at that point uh, not having a console so uh, when my my brother won a playstation one um in a bizarre contest at some it was some, some football thing at the nec and he happened to be sitting in the particular seat that they pulled out the raffle ticket for and uh, he got a free um not only did he get to shake hands with bobby charlton who if you're a football fan i believe is a big deal um but he also won a playstation one console which was all the rage back in the day um so yeah he got that and that was one of the first games that we we got with it was this, this crazy taxi oh it's amazing um but no, it was, it was an interesting game, and it's still one that I enjoy playing now. I believe the original is uh, is available for download, isn't it, at the moment? It's free until the 19th of March, I believe, which is only four more days, so they've done it for a week. But um, right. get on your devices, type in the search bar Crazy Taxi, and download Crazy Taxi Free from Sega at the moment, mm-hmm. um, just to re-familiarise yourself with, um, with the original. Be interesting to see how it plays on a touchscreen as opposed to using the controller. But well, yeah, this be... new this new one they're talking about, I've mm. actually played the the, the remake. Uh, so the the, new, the the original one that they released, the free version. I've been I downloaded that last night, and it's it's touch controls like you've got left, right, accelerate, and reverse. Those Ooh. are the the controls. But I've heard with this new one, it's um, more like one of those Temple Run games where you swipe to turn left and right, and you press up to jump up around. You know, you swipe up that kind of thing. So they're going to be oh, two okay. different different beasts completely yeah it's, it, it's been developed by the same guys who did um sonic dash which so, was, yeah, it's, it, yeah it's gonna be one of those kind of temple run endless yeah you know high score earning ones yeah, so it'd be interesting to see what they do with it. But yeah, if you get a chance, Milksters, if you haven't played Crazy Taxi, uh, if you do have an iOS or Android device, then yeah, definitely get on there before the 19th and download that for free because it, it's well worth a play. And it's, a, it's, it's I know it's a retro game, but it's uh, it's one of the best of that generation, I think. Oh, it is. It certainly is. So highly recommend you download your free copy of Crazy Taxi. 
Talking about one of the best of a generation, um, one of the finest games that I remember playing back in the day was uh, was the original Mafia game. It was um, it was around <laughs> it was around back in the day, around the same sort of time that Grand Theft Auto had gone third person and uh, allowed you to explore the world. And the developers of Mafia decided that it would be a great idea to put you back in the 1920s in New York. Perfect perfect you say that'd be wonderful we can drive old vintage cars and but what they did was they took it to the extreme so the police in the original mafia game would stop you if they saw you breaking into a car and arrest you and your game would end um they would also stop you if you didn't stop at red lights so you had to drive in a responsible manner not crash into anything or run any red lights. Sounds fun so far, Dave. I'm sold. Oh, it was, yeah, it was wonderful. Um, the only thing that saved it was the absolutely brilliant soundtrack that it had to it. Um, the visuals at the time were pretty amazing. It had that whole sort of depression era, New York down to a T, looked beautiful. Um, it was it was a joy to ride around, but unfortunately, yeah, the um, the car... I was going to say the car mechanics, but that sounds wrong. We're back onto Kevin Webster territory. Um, the mechanics of the car moving around weren't particularly great. They hadn't got that nailed. However, several years later, they did uh, Mafia 2, which was um, available on uh, Xbox 360. Uh, that it was. It was available on PS3 and Xbox 360. And it was yeah. the first Mafia game I actually got to play. Oh, okay. um, I, did, I did quite like it, but um, yep. there were a few things holding it back from being an out-and-out classic I, I completely agree again the soundtrack was brilliant soundtrack was good uh set across sort of 1950s so it was, uh, one of the one of the things i liked about it with the seasons when it was winter yeah. it was snowing when it was summer it was hot you know the yeah things was, you want to see in open world it was done really well in terms of that kind of stuff and uh, the sort of the attention to detail in the sort of uh, the insides of the flats that you went into where you were living, but also the sort of, you know, you went to various sort of bars and restaurants and stuff to carry out the, the missions and things. But again, unfortunately, let down a little bit by the gameplay. Controls were a little bit clunky at times. The the fight controls weren't particularly amazing. Um, not as bad as the, the getaway that we spoke about a few episodes ago, but... Uh... Uh, um, but certainly on par with the Godfather games, because they were basically of, of an identical ilk. They were they're very, very similar-looking games, in fact. Matthew yeah. is basically like the Godfather with a bit more polish. Completely. The, the, the influences on the game were very clear, that, you know... It, it, very much took from the godfather and various other sort of mafioso films but um they've announced uh, that there is a mafia 3 on the way um it will be across current gen oh sorry previous gen as we're supposed to say now uh and the uh, the uh, brand new xbox and playstation um it's going to be set in louisiana which sounds very interesting to put a sort of a gangster style thing happening. I'm not sure what sort of sort of time scale they're talking about and things like that, but uh, it does sound interesting to you know, put oh, it definitely in a And I'm I'm glad that they're going to take it out of the two obvious choices, which are New York or Chicago. They're the two mm. mafia hubs, aren't they, for these type of games? And yeah. I think setting it Louisiana is going to be quite interesting. No, completely. I, I think it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, I, I, I for one would definitely play it I, I would urge anyone if you get a chance to play either the very very original or uh, the, the Mafia 2 then it, it's worth a shot it's not the greatest game of all time but it's atmospheric the, am I right in thinking yeah. Mafia 1 is a top down affair 
No, no, Mafia. Oh, it's uh, open world Mafia as well. Okay. It's open world as well. It, it it literally was like a clone of GTA Three, right. but okay. but set in uh, old style New York, which they didn't say it was New York. I think it was called something different, but it was very it, clearly in, in the same way that Liberty City is just New York in GTA Four. Of course, yeah, yeah, completely. Um, it, it, it's one of those, but uh, yeah, it, well worth playing. If you don't want to play them then i would urge you to go onto youtube yet again milsters and just have a listen to the soundtrack because there's some wonderful wonderful tracks on there that uh, you would never normally get to hear but yeah so mafia 3 is on its way and it's one that we'll definitely be keeping an eye on here on the milky podcast Remember, you can get on board by joining the Milking It Multiverse at facebook.com forward slash milking it. Or give us an email. It's milkingitpodcast at gmail.com. But for now, enjoy the show. So we mentioned it briefly uh, the other week when we were chit-chatting, uh, but uh, we well, Boo had played the Titanfall uh, beta, as I said. So the game proper has come out. Uh, Boo, did you manage to pick up a copy of the full game of Titanfall? I have got a full copy uh, of the game Titanfall. And I am enjoying it, but uh, I think I may have played the beta a little bit too much. Um, okay. Because there's not a massive amount of new maps. Um, mm. I don't think it's one for you, sir. Uh, I'll tell you why. The campaign mode is basically select maps in multiplayer, right. but with kind of storyline talked into it. You're still playing an online game um, with other online people you can still win or lose depending on the outcome of the actual match itself against these real people but there is an ongoing storyline arc along the way the campaign mode as it is called in game uh, campaign mode for both sides can pretty much be finished in around about two hours oh wow it, seriously it, 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 there, there is no single player mode That they've made that abundantly clear there is no single player mode but the closest they've got is this campaign mode even though it's technically not campaign mode but yeah it's very short that's that's quite disappointing to hear that because I, I remember them saying that the, the campaign mode would be involved with multiplayer but they I... did, they said it would meld single and multiplayer into one beauteous link but uh, it just doesn't work the way that it, it doesn't work like that right Okay, well, yeah, I, it, that sounds like something I'll probably avoid. But so I remember you saying when you played the um, the demo, well, not the demo, sorry, the beta, yeah, the beta. Um, that you hoped they'd offer you more. Has it offered you more than the beta did? It's not offered me a, uh, that much more. Has it very... offered you fifty pounds more? I, it's actually come out that in in a in a certain UK retailer, mm. uh, it actually retails for forty four ninety nine because it is just the multiplayer component. So you can actually pick it up online for about forty quid. Um, okay. It's but even then, uh, they've already announced that there's obviously a season pass with it in DLC. Uh, Maybe they could have shoved okay. a little bit of that onto the original disc. Yeah, that's that. We've we've spoken many times about DLC and, and my attitude towards it. it but yeah. Yes, it's that something does... I don't partake in either. It's got to be so extremely for me. The only DLC I'm sure I mentioned this on the Milk It podcast. The only DLC I remember buying like the last few years was a map pack for Call of Duty Black Ops because it was George A. Romero thing, and I loved you know all yes. things George A. Romero. With Britney so... Spears as well, I think you mentioned was uh, involved in that. <clears throat> It's uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, but... Uh, but... Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd get something wrong today. And That's there we fine. Go. Uh, 
<laughs> Why did I think it was Britney Spears? Um, no, Dave, you can edit that if you want. No, um, no, not at all, dude. I, I, it, keep it in. I there. thought you were kidding at first. I thought like, he's kidding. No, um, I really thought Britney Spears was in a Yes, Britney YouTube Spears, video. that well-known horror actress from... <laughs> I don't know. I think Dave. probably because I'm looking at my page and I've got South Park written down and I'm thinking of the Britney Spears episode. Maybe that's it, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But the but most yes, time fall is, is okay. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. Um, the controls are slick and fluid. It's it's really easy to control your character. The, the, they are they are fun while they while they last. The fight the the, the matches online. I've said before, I'm not that much of an online player. I think yeah. what I like about this is that it's not just real people out on the field. There are a lot of, there's a lot of, you'd call them bots. They're AI. They're called right. grunts in the game. Um, so you do always feel like, with Call of Duty, sometimes you can feel a bit lost and walking around the map and like you just get kill, kill, killed, and you're mm. not killing anyone and you don't feel like you're progressing at all. At least with this, you've got the grunts um, who you, you know, they're a little. They're obviously, they're computer controlled, so they're a bit thicker than your real life opponent. So you can probably knock off twice as many of these guys as you can the actual guys who are called pilots. So I think there is more of a sense of achievement within the multiplayer game. It's more like having single player maps, but ultimately it is just an online multiplayer game. Um, I do recommend it just because it is such a good looking thing, and obviously it's exclusive to the Xbox and Microsoft brands. So um, and there's not a lot out for the Xbox One at the moment, so you've got to grab these new games while you can. Yeah, fair dues. I mean, there's not a lot out to be fair uh, for the next couple of months. So yeah, people have got to get it, and it has become a massive selling game. It has, it has been hugely popular, um, and it has boosted the Xbox Live to the point where it could barely cope uh, across the weekend. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, if if it lasts or if it's something that people continue to play. And like you say, it, it is one of the few sort of multiplayer things that people can do in terms of uh, Xbox One. So we shall see, but. But in terms, as we say, of the next generation or the current generation, as they want us to call it, there has been a game announced that is only going to be available. It's it's the conclusion to a trilogy and only going to be available on the next generation, PlayStation and Xbox One. Can Dave, you I imagine? Give a, Dave, I want to give a little bit of just a brief bit of background. Do you remember a couple of years ago when Arkham City originally came out? Yeah, uh, Kevin Conroy was interviewed at, he was, a, yes. at a show, and they it was said Comic Con, I think it was a Comic Con, and yep. uh, he said, "Oh, I'm in the new Arkham," and they went, "No, you're not." And he went, "Oh, no, I don't mean Arkham City. I mean, you know, the next game." What? This is before Arkham City had been released. Origins. No City. Was it? Oh, Arkham? sorry. Oh, it was no, no, no. It was. No, you... He'd done Arkham City. Um, they were talking about Arkham Origins, and they asked. Sorry, him, you're right. Yeah, if he was right. in the in the new um, Arkham game. He said, "No, I'm not. I'm in the new new one." Essentially, everything that we said about Arkham Origins being a filler game between now uh, between City and the next one is very very true. And they announced it this past week. Man, 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 alive! We all know. That it only has to have that magical, wonderful bat on the front of it, and I will be interested. But this this caused a stir across my Facebook. People that don't even know about Batman watched the trailer, and they told me not only was it a game they'd want to play, the trailer is a film I'd want to watch mm. because the the way they've done it is absolutely wonderful. I mean, I remember the Arkham City uh, trailer that they released. 
which was equally as good beautifully rendered well done cgi the arkham origins trailer that they released all in the snow with you know dead shot and all that because was beautiful and wonderful and there was great fighting moments and it was better than anything that appeared in that game um the arkham it's called batman arkham knight it's the third installment uh, potentially the final installment uh, they're looking at it like a trilogy so this is the last one unusually they're not going to let people who've played it before, unless they've upgraded their console, play the final part of this trilogy. Uh, no, I think it's a good selling point, Dave. Um, no, no, not, completely. There's not a lot on the new consoles that that have really like are mind blowing. I must admit. No, I, game, I like the after fact seeing that yeah. the video. I think this is going to be just like such a big boost for the next gen consoles. People will buy next gen consoles for this game specifically. Completely, in in the same way that we 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 spoke about, right? Okay. This next-gen console, all I want them to announce is that they're going to release a Fallout game. For me, the idea of being able... I can now play this final instalment of the Arkham series on this console that they've designed specifically for next generation. So they're doing stuff in it that you cannot accomplish on 360 or Dave, PS3. can I just give you a little statistic? While of course. As yeah, you mentioned... Yeah. The car alone, sorry, but there's a mechanic in it, obviously, uh, if you've seen the video, which is the, the Batmobile. The Batmobile takes 160 megabytes of information to render that alone. One enemy character in the new game, Batman Arkham Knight, one enemy character hmm. has more polygons than the entirety of the city of Arkham City in the game. What? That's more insane. polygons, sir. Uh, that, that's the statistic I've got in front of me. Okay, well, if, if that's true, then uh, I will be blown away. But so far, everything I've seen from the trailer and the, 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 the screenshots they've showed and all that kind of stuff just looks absolutely amazing. But I mean, they've they've they've, they've talked about it. essentially. If if you haven't seen online um, on our Facebook page, which is facebook dot com forward slash milking it, um, we have post a couple of videos or i've posted a couple of videos of um the not only the trailer the announcement trailer but also the announcement video in terms of what's been announced that that's happening in the game um it's set obviously because it's the third in trilogy after arkham city it's uh, set one year after arkham city dave yep the idea is that the villains uh obviously joker has died spoiler alert at the end of uh Arkham City. So uh, Harley Quinn. Only you. Um, <laughs> oh, that's just ah, oh, that's brought me to a wonderful moment. I love that. Um, essentially, he's died not only because that's part of the storyline, but because Mark Hamill said he'd have nothing to do with any more future games. It's it's not been written by the previous writer whose name escapes me, and I hate myself for it. um the previous writer of the arkham titles was the guy behind um a number it was paul dini it was a guy paul dini paul dini wrote the um, friend of the show mentioned many times many times because he of course wrote the wonderful uh heart of ice episode of the animated series and was involved in a number of those uh uh, scripts so he is a, a genuinely a Batman nerd and a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, so Paul Dini is no longer involved because they did not ask him. They are using an in-house writing team. However, they have got involved with another DC classic guy, uh, Jeff Johns, 
who will be known by many people, has been very heavily involved in the uh, new 52 uh, DC reboot, if you will. Uh, So he was involved in a lot of the Justice League stuff. He's done a few of the Batman titles. I think he did Detective Comics and that kind of stuff when they rebooted it. Uh, So he knows the character inside out and he has created a brand new villain. So you've got Two-Face, you've got Penguin, you've got uh, Harley Quinn. There's hints that the Riddler's back. Scarecrow's definitely back. Aircrow is definitely better. That's the one I heard yeah. confirmed. And also, if you guys uh, managed to find the Easter egg in Arkham City, mm. that was uh, that pre that predated that little reveal by a few years. So those those characters are back. They're working together because the Joker's dead. So they're getting together for one night to destroy the Batman. Obviously, because they realise they can only take over Gotham if the Batman is gone. Um, so, but they've also uh, Jeff Johns uh, has worked with the guys from Rocksteady, and they are creating uh, a brand new character called Arkham Knight. So, the pictures we've seen so far um, hint at it, a, a guy who looks like Batman, but is in a military-style uh, sort of uh, jacket and stuff in a Batman suit that looks more military-style than Batman does. I mean, does this put pay to the rumor that it was going to be a hush-based game? Uh, it doesn't stop the idea of Hush being involved um, because the character of Hush could work into this Arkham Knight character. Uh, mm. But it's introducing a new character to the canon and they've said that they will use this character going forwards uh, in comic books and everything else. So to be interesting to see what they do with it. But yeah, Arkham Knight is not only the name of it, but also the uh, the main protagonist who may well turn out. But we, as we know from Arkham City, spoiler alert, you can they introduce a main character like Hugo Strange who meets his uh, his end, unfortunately, and and actually isn't the main character at all uh, because we we learn that Ra's al Ghul, not how they pronounce it, but how I pronounce it, um, is involved. Who actually says Raish al Ghul? Raish al Ghul. No one says. It's Ra's al Ghul. It's Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, everyone. It knows. is Ra's al Ghul. Of course, it's always been Ra's al Ghul. I'll go. I'll go with the animated series way of pronouncing it. If yes, if you don't mind. But no, everything about it so far looks amazing. We've forgotten to mention. Sorry, so or I've forgotten to mention so far because I'm just so excited, as you can probably tell by the way I'm talking. Um, is that you uh, can finally not only fly around, walk around, run around, dive around, punch your way around Gotham City. You can drive your way around. Do you know what, Dave? After the first trailer, I predicted that they were going to use the Batmobile as part of the fight mechanic, and it was literally confirmed, well, like a week later. It sounds really cool. You are basic, You can dive in and out of the Batmobile. The Batmobile is yeah. fully controllable. You can. It's really easy. This is what's been said so far. Yeah. It's really easy to control. You can boost around a corner, dive out, knee some guy with mid-air, flip off his shoulders, and go straight back into the Batmobile and thunder down the lane. I mean, that sounds, like, exciting. That is... I mean, I don't remember... That's been the rumour for the last, like, two or three Arkham games. Uh, after Arkham Asylum, because the Batmobile was in that as well, I don't know, it's been a while, but if you remember, you um, you retrieved yeah. your first weapon from the uh, from the Batmobile. Ever since then, there's been the rumour that, oh, you'll definitely drive the Batmobile. Arkham City, it was announced it was sandboxed. The presumption was you will drive around Ar- uh, Arkham City. That didn't happen either. Origins is obviously what it is. It's... Not the Batman game we deserve. But Origins did give you the, the Batwing. You could use fast travel with the Batwing. Yes, but Dave. It's, <laughs> it's no, not no, no, the no. same. I'm, I'm no, I with it. It's not, but it's not the same. The Batmobile is, that is the iconic 
vehicle. Like, of that course, is what and people want it. The, the Batwing is it, cool, but, but for fuck's sake, if the Joker can shoot the Batwing down with just a big, long gun, <laughs> what, what luck. What luck. No, like, because that, the Batwing in, in the, the original Batman, the Tim Burton Batman, goes against everything that is canon with the comics because it has guns on it. It does have guns on it. But only Not to only shoot guns down those on it, evil guns that he can't aim. Because <laughs> <laughs> he shoots his guns and every single one misses the Joker every time. Just shoots either side of him and then the Joker pulls out that massive pistol which is uh, paging Dr. Freud and yeah, just shoots him out the air. But... <laughs> The, at least the, the design for the, the Batmobile for this game just looks really good. It's It's got a cross between sort of animated Batman. Um, there's a little bit of the Anton first Batman from the first couple of movies. It's just, it looks really good. But thankfully avoids that awful Tumblr design that they went for uh, in the Nolan universe. Sorry, Dave, while well, we're well, obviously on Batman, I don't suppose... I read recently something that I'd managed to miss a couple of years ago. It was a little spat between Tim Burton and Kevin Smith. Have you, have you heard the story? <laughs> um, um, Smith yes. uh, jokingly accused Burton of stealing the ending of Planet of the Apes from one of Kevin Smith's comic books, yeah. to which Tim Burton said, anyone who knows me knows that I would never read a comic book, and I would especially never read anything created by Kevin Smith. Yeah. Kevin Smith responded back, which to me explains Batman. <laughs> <laughs> the the upshot of that as well is that um kevin smith's books in the states but he he, he published his first book um he he published his first book and he wanted to put quite the, the publishers said can we get some quotes for the cover and he said yeah can you use the one by tim burton that says i'd never read a book by kevin smith and in the states they they had lawyers looking over it and the lawyers freaked out and they were like no we we can't do that we can't we can't say that because you know it's not in context and obviously you know and they were really scared that tim burton would get fucked off and sue them he came over to publish it in the uk and said can i use this quote and they went yeah of course you can yeah, sure <laughs> we're, we're, we're british mate we don't give a fuck so if you buy his uh, if you buy his books in the UK, it has a quote on the back from Tim Burton saying, "I will never read a book by Kevin Smith," <laughs> which I think is a wonderful, beautiful thing. But yes, yeah, I think it probably does explain. Batman. Not that I'm not a fan of early Tim Burton films, but I oh, definitely no, no, think he's you know I'm not going to. Uh, we've talked about Burton before. I liked oh. Tim Burton as a, as a director t- to a certain point, but of I must course. say that his recent films have have been really poor. Well, yeah, it's an example of a director working his way up and getting more money and going more Hollywood, and you know, you know if... what would it, you know what would make me happy, Mister Burton? Just get on to Beetlejuice two as soon as possible and make it good. We've talked about this so many times. So many times. Yes, come on, Beetlejuice two is waiting in the wings, sir. Get that Not surfboard. Get to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> But no, definitely, definitely. But yes, yeah, so, so yeah, the brand new Batman game unveiled. Very, very excited about that. I think, it, yeah, it looks really good. I like the bold step that they're going in terms of just doing the next gen. It's developed for the next gen, so it's not a PC port. It's not something that they've worked on. I was reading today, in fact, that Titanfall was never, ever originally planned for the Xbox One. They'd only planned it to be a PC exclusive in terms of the way it looks. So that, again, is a PC port. Hmm. So this could be one of the first games that is wholly designed to be a 
focus point for the next gen in terms of people buying the console. I think it's probably this and probably in terms of me personally is the UFC game, which I saw some pictures today of Ronda Rouse on the <laughs> on the on UFC Ronda game. Rousey, yes. oh. uh, I, I was talking to a friend about this last the other day. Mm. She does have a um, very uh, she's a great fighter. Um, yep. But she's got a reputation for being an absolute dick in real life. But then oh, again, when you, a lot of people yeah. who are talented at something, for some reason, does bring out a bit of the dick in them, I must admit. No, completely. But um, I, I saw some pictures of uh, some of the guys and girls in that, and the, the, the graphics look amazing, the fluidity, the, the fluidity shall I say. Is, is that a word? Yeah, yeah it fluidity is. Fluidity is now. Word. Yeah, it is Fluidness. Now. Fluidity is a word, so I'm fluid, sure it is. Fluid, no, I'm sure it is, Dave. Um, if it's not, we made it up here, right here on the Milking It podcast. There you go, another word created by the Milking It podcast. Um, but yeah, it, that looks really good, and it's of course a game that I would go out and buy and probably trade in within about seven minutes. But it's uh, yeah, so, so the new Batman game is the one that it, 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 it's the destination game for me this year so far. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm, there was only one other game. Uh, that was out this year that was of importance to me and it should have been out a couple of years ago Dave and it's also turned out to be easily the most amazing game based on a film or TV license ever in my opinion <laughs> now we, we've we've held off on we, this we have held off for long uh, enough Dave. this is the final thing we're talking about tonight well or today or whenever you're listening it's a podcast it doesn't matter but we have held off because I think this might be a not a long chit chat but it's going to be quite an in-depth chit chat because yeah we've both enjoyed a game this week which has literally, for me, I don't know about Boo, but for me has ticked all of the boxes and a couple of boxes I didn't even know needed ticking. Absolutely. Dave, um, as soon as I got my hands on the copy, Mm. I sat there and I did like a 10-hour session without meaning to. I just just wanted to know what was going to happen next. I wanted to know what was in the next building. I wanted to know what was... Um, in the next shop I wanted to know what was in this corner I ended up in another country we'll we'll talk about it when we get there and I wanted to know every I wanted to explore every corner of this other country uh, in all of its glorious what is that all about Dave um, in all honesty I think they say good things come to those who wait and I think we've waited long enough for a decent South Park game and by Jove sir did they deliver it Um, South Park the Stick of Truth finally came out on the PS3, Xbox 360, and PC uh, a week for us. It would have been a week, uh, yeah, a week ago, or just over a week ago. Since our I, last my, podcast, definitely. Yes, I've already finished the game in, uh, in its entirety. I believe you managed to work your way through the game, Dave. I have, yes, I have clocked it on the old well, 360. Let's. Uh, I was a P. I, I did mine on the PC purely because uh, I was going to get it on the PS3. I still have a PS3. Um, the PC version's actually unedited. Mm. Yes, okay. mine suffered from that, but we'll discuss that in a second. Discuss that. Um, Dave, uh, we both completed South Park The Stick of Truth. First of all, what, what character did you play as? Uh, I played through as the thief. Ah, excellent. I played through as the fighter. I, 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 I seen both of us... On purpose, since we for the for the purpose of this review, neither of us chose the Jew. Uh, no, I was tempted because I do I do sport a Romanesque nose, uh, and I uh, I was tempted to go for that uh, character. But I I must admit I'd re- I'd read some stuff online, and um, the thief has a backstab attack, which apparently is one of the most effective attacks in the game, especially once you start leveling up, and it certainly proved that way. It made the the end 
battles a lot easier than I imagine they should have been. And whereas my fighter build by the end, I'd say by towards the end of the game, um, I barely needed to touch the pad to know mm. I was going to win the battle. They, it, it's an it's an RPG and um, a turn-based say, RPG. It's a turn-based RPG, which is polarizing to some people. A lot of people said they wanted to play the game, but the fighting system put them off. Um, obviously, Dave and I persevered, and um, I, I thought it was actually very enjoyable. And the summons were out of this world. I I have never ever, I'll go on record. Oh, I've Danny. never ever played a turn-based RPG before. Okay. Um, so I wasn't aware of even what that was because it, it, the only sort of RPGs are like Final Fantasy and things like that, which are they're, they're not something that really appeals to me. Uh, I mean, I, I've gone on record as saying that I finished the first disc of Final Fantasy VII and then yeah. the cardinal committed the cardinal sin of not bothering to finish it because I, I just couldn't be... I could not be bothered. So after CD1, I was done. Um, but, um, but no, I, I was, I was uh, quite impressed with the way that it worked. I was quite impressed with the, the combat thing. I, I didn't think it inhibited my... Because I'm used to like Skyrim-style sort of battles where you can just go in and start hacking and slashing. And... X is slash and circle is, is special attack and square you lift your shield up. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, and, completely. Uh, this, this, the, the fighting style was actually taken from Paper Mario in uh, Mario RPG. It's exactly oh, okay. the same turn-based style, whereas um, you can use button presses to, to, like, to block and that kind of thing, as mm. opposed to just setting your fighter to defensive stance. I think what they did was they kind of did a, the, the most simplified version of a turn base they could do to make sure they got as many people playing it as possible. Yeah. Um, as a fan service, they left nothing unturned. Literally everything from the music when you walked into buildings hmm. to the people in the building. I mean, did you get the feeling that you knew where everything was? Yes. If, if you've watched more than a couple of seasons, you will know essentially where the you know it's for the first time they've put the proper layout map down of right this is here this is here this is it but it makes sense because you're used to oh yeah he lives next to him you know cartman lives next to you know kenny or whatever it's like kenny's the other side of the tracks or, he's on the other know. side of the track. he's the poor side of the south part that's right you know there was those little touches that you thought oh that's brilliant yeah you, know, you walk into uh, you know the school and this thing there's, there's certain announcements on the radio you, you walk into tom's rhinoplasty and there's the chef singing on the radio and there's so many little bits and pieces that you just remember from back in the day but also you know right up to recent they've obviously updated it constantly in yeah terms there of are the a lot of new episode references aren't there i, I noticed yeah, that as completely. well i think that that's that's where that extra year of it not being released has obviously paid off they've gone back stripped it down said right what what extra can we put in you know what little references can we put in that'll make sense to people but it was it was oh i've never played i was, I was saying this to my friend the other day I've, I've never played a game that looks so much like an episode of the game I'm i was playing. gonna say absolutely just the graphics are spot on absolutely, absolutely spot perfect. on. yeah I, I, I just absolutely brilliant there, there has never been it's like say a south park game as good as that the, the problem with this is now though is that i don't think we're getting dlc we I don't are. think we're getting we no i mean beyond uh costumes i'm talking like full story length like no no DLC. no they are they, they haven't announced it yet but Apparently there is story DLC. How um, though? Because they've covered everything. No, well they haven't because at the end of the game, 
if you go back and spoiler alert, if you oh. go back to the mall, okay, the mall still exists, but you still can't get into it, right? And they're talking about a dead rising idea within the mall. That would make sense because you didn't do a lot in the mall in the game, well, but you it's can't there. do anything in the mall. The mall's yeah, there, it's... but you can't get into it, and then yeah, it gets destroyed, and blah blah. blah. I'll say no more. But yeah, it, so there is talk of story-based DLC for it. However, I will say it's a game that I loved and it will definitely be in my top five of the year. I can't imagine more games will be better than that. Mm. It is not a game I will go back and play again. No, and I'm, I actually agree with you, Dave. I've 100 percent in it. I've got all my chin Pokemon. I've, <laughs> uh, I found all the kids. Yep. I've, uh, I've beaten up all the homeless and sent them packing. I've, uh, I've cleared up Canada. Yep. There isn't much else for a hero like me to do in, in South Park. No, and, and I probably spent probably, whew, let me think about it, probably 15 hours at the most. I'd say that was a reasonable most. playthrough time. Yeah, playing through it. And I got to a point where there's a couple of extra sort of Jimbo's hunting things I've I've got left to do. But I've done the main quest. I've done you know the side quests and stuff. And look out for that cow, Dave. It's a dangerous beast. <laughs> but there's there's so many nice little touches to it. But you know, um, I took the game round to a friend's and he started playing, and I quite happily watched him play it. But I think what was interesting with that was um, like I've I've played Skyrim and you know I've done Elder Scrolls stuff before and I've played Fallout and things like that. So my automatic thing was. I started in a room and went to every cupboard I could open and looked at everything I could do in that room. He just went because he did. He's not used to playing RPGs, so went straight to just well, okay. I've got to do a quest, so I need to go here. And yeah, like, no, you ah, can't. Okay, right. that's an interesting way of playing it. But yeah, you genuinely don't get the most out of the game if you no. don't explore. You've got to explore that game. Yeah, that is what it is for. It's an RPG for South Park fans. And if you, you say you want to go to you want to go to shitty walk, you go to shitty walk. You want to go to the school, you go to the school. You want to go to the church, you go to the church. You well, no, no, let, let's be fair. You, I wanted to go to shitty sushi, but... <laughs> you know what happened to shit. The Japanese man is shitty sushi, he committed suicide. <laughs> and it's yeah. stuff like that that the game is perfect for because you can share your it experiences yeah. and have a decent laugh about it. It is basically the love letter to South Park. It's what? Oh man, how how long how long is South Park been running since ninety eight now? Is it? If yeah, around that sort of time, ninety seven, ninety eight. But and I mean the, they've the had fact, that. Sorry, the the fact that there are things like Chin Pokemon, which was one episode from about season three. Dave, there was stuff about the aliens and certain probing that completely, was completely yeah, first that was the first episode. episode. Yeah, yeah, the anal probes is yeah. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately. <laughs> there, actually we can talk about this very quickly because you've okay you've played the scenes that are cut in the version that i played yeah so i don't I, think there is anything that's worth cutting out in the game i played i mm. i had to go online and see what they'd actually cut out okay the bit one of the bits they cut out was a it was easy for me i i didn't have a problem with it but i, I saw a lot of people online saying yeah. oh it was really hard to do this little mini game where you have to perform an abortion you don't perform an abortion okay to... i'm i'm with them on that okay basically the story is um, they've come into the room and randy is pretending to be a woman and you've got to pretend to be an abortionist so you kind of 
have to do this mini game where it just involves moving the stick and then pressing A and then like tapping the button, kind of one of those mini games. They've cut that out because it's you know an abortion on a man. It's it's just not nasty enough to need to cut. But I think in Europe the boys wanted some censorship because it does add like it just adds a little bit of extra press behind the release itself. But you know oh, this disgusting game needs to be oh they've had to censor it in Australia, they've had to censor it in the in the UK. And I think it does add a bit of mystery. It adds to the to the legend of South Park, if you will, because you know how you know mm. they're famous for crossing boundaries and and, and having set and you know having stuff censored. Most famously, the Muhammad episode. Completely, and I mean we we've spoken before about the the fact for me South Park is brilliant now because the people that used to rally against it back in the day now don't they don't really give a shit now so they don't bother they've moved on to other things and and, the, and they've left and them to get on with what they want to do did so, you know that the, the mormons used to have a massive problem yeah. with matt stone and trey parker <laughs> what a surprise. and now they don't because more people are aware of the religion of mormon of course because of them yes um, and and recently announced that uh, they no longer believe they get their own planet so uh, that that's, that's progression and, uh, and just on another South Park side note, L. Ron Hubbard's granddaughter, I believe, not wow. he might have been his daughter. Are you about to destroy our podcast empire by mentioning Scientology? I am. Oh, my uh, God. Brace yourself, Milksters. This could be the last episode we ever have. <laughs> uh, she didn't know. We've just, what... sorry, we've just managed to get ourselves on Stitcher in the U.S., you know, we, we can be listened to, may I just say, if anyone has a car radio in the States that receives DAB radio, you can you can get Stitcher and you can listen to us in your car or your home. If you're in the United States of America, millions of people can hear the Milking It podcast and catch up with geeky news every week. This is about to be destroyed by Boo's comments on Scientology. I would like to distance myself from this. <laughs> if anyone is interested in co-hosting a geeky weekly podcast with myself, David Davis, please get on board. It's milkingitpodcast at gmail.com. And now, oh. here's Boo's comments on Scientology. Boo's so that, comments on Scientology. So that, fu- that fucking Elrond Abbott guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> These are Boo's comments on Scientology. Um, no, no, but um, in all honesty, uh, L. Ron Hubbard's granddaughter or daughter, I can't remember which, Who had, I no love. Idea, had no idea what Scientologists gen- genuinely believed and wasn't aware until they saw until they she saw the episode of South Park with the with the um, yes. the little writing at the bottom of the screen saying this is what they actually believe. Here you go. There you go. And, so uh, that is just, that's the Milky podcast science. just mentioning South Park's interpretation of Scientology. Not our views. And just to shit David up even more, uh, talking <laughs> at the South Park game, uh, don't forget to check out Stan's, Stan's Closet. Um... <laughs> if you put, because I, right, my, Milksters, my hearing's not too great in terms of video games. I'm, I'm not very good. I have surround sound deliberately because my hearing's not too good in terms of deciphering speech against music. So oh, it, it's years of working for HMV. Um, but I, there's a point where if you go up to that cupboard, sorry, closet, and open it, the phrase that comes out is, I'm never coming out. <laughs> but obviously, being subtitles, they normally put the name of the person who's saying it. 
And I see come out the closet. If you, you, if you put the, the subtitles on and you, you go up to that closet, all it says is person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, well, that's because he's, he's too busy working at the, at the factory, Dave. <laughs> oh, come on. You must know, you know, the fudge factory. I can't possibly comment. Um, <laughs> however, here at Milking It Podcast, we respect all religions. Well, most. Most. But yes, so, <laughs> so South Park stick of truth. Man, I've just seen my career crumble in front of my eyes. Um, career. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, Dave. Healthy side project. Um, <laughs> yes, so now we've finished insulting uh, Scientology. Hey, I believe that wasn't a diss on Scientology. That was just merely a statement about South Park. There we go. That was just a simple review of South Park stick of the truth. But overall... 100% behind it. I've really loved it. Really. I, I just, I have not played a game in so long where I've just smiled all the way through. It was just every little reference and just little comments and things that come up in the background. And, you know, Matt Stone, Trey Parker have obviously been so involved in the development of it. Um, I just hope it's not going to take them as long to do a sequel to it because there's got to be a sequel, surely. Oh, to the South Park game? Oh, Dave, I, I, I don't know. I, just, I don't think I want a sequel. I think they got everything so perfect with the first one. Where, where is there left to put the references? Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. And true. Uh, just on a side note, did you make your way through the forest? I did. I found, uh, yes. <laughs> did you find some uh, some friends? I did find some friends, yes. Excellent. I, yes, but, I, I mean, did. even that was included. I mean, there is nothing left to put in there. I, yeah, I, finished. I, did I, you find? Did you I, find? Uh, did you find Santa on top of the uh, the police building? Well, I said I hundred percented the game. Dave, <laughs> no, I, I actually did not. Even though I, it says I got it, I think maybe that is a chance encounter. Then maybe I didn't get all the friends. I, I, I'm no, he's new can, to me. You can there get you the go. achievement for the friends, but you, yeah, you don't have to get. Yeah, Santa was a, a choice one. There you go, kids. If you're up near the police building, you manage to get inside the police building. Uh, n- not only one, do it before the zombies go, because you get a second side quest, which you won't ever get again once the game's finished. But also, go up to the roof. You can meet Santa. Can you up on the rooftop? Jip, jip. <laughs> But yes, uh, absolutely brilliant. It's so many, like you say, so many little things, so many things that just make you smile. Uh, just an absolutely brilliant game. I could not gush about this more. So far for me, my game of the year. I'd, I'd, I'd go with that over Titanfall. I, I definitely think South Park has earned itself a little game of the year from the Milk and the Crew, Dave. So then um, that was South Park, the Stick of Truth. So go, go out and grab it before Mr. Hanky visits you. Oh, it's a trap. It's the backstory, non-bollocks, part two. Agba. So here we are again, back once again with the Renegade Master. With part two of this backstory bollocks special. The backstory non-bollocks of Star Wars. Where we shall explore the genuine backstories of blink and you'll miss them background characters from the six Star Wars movies. If you haven't listened to the first part yet, that's fine. No, 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 it's fine. I'm not angry or anything. I'm just disappointed. You can still listen to it if you go back and listen to the previous episode of the Milking It podcast. It's entirely up to you. I worked really hard on it. But yeah, you can ignore it if you want. It's fine. It's all fine. Just 
just diddly do fine. <sighs> As before, I'll be posting links to the Wikipedia pages for each of these characters, so you know I'm not yanking your crank, young man. Anyway, let's conclude this countdown with number five, shall we? Number five, Cow Fowl. So, you must remember the giant three and a half metre tall stalk chicken thing in Star Wars A New Hope, right? You know, the smuggler Calphalonuncundrus, aka Calfowl, who had a spaceship called the Sheltooth and was very protective over her eggs. No? Well, she was definitely there. Take another look. Yes, there in the foreground when Luke was selling the land speeder in Moss Eisley. Or rather, her gangly legs were for a split second. Yeah, yeah, you didn't miss much. It was just literally that. Oh, Star Wars, you're so silly with these backstories. Number four, Baron Papanoida. There was a scene in The Revenge of the Sith where Palpatine informed Anakin Skywalker of the legend of Darth Plagueis the Wise, who could prevent loved ones from dying. Somehow, this didn't make the young Jedi's in-brain Sith Lord detector go... Ba 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 Sith detected ba 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 like it would you or I. Anyway, this was at a performance of an opera called Squid Lake, which sounds much better than Swan Lake, because all swans are pricks. You're just a goosed eyeliner, you pretentious queen love prick. You're nothing special. On his way into the opera house to chat with Palpatine, Anakin runs past the blue jowly chap chatting with a young lady. That chap being the Pandoran Baron Papanoida, a well-known influential figure in Coruscant affairs. He's also George Lucas dressed as a Smurf. Yes, indeed, George Lucas finally does a Stan Lee and makes an appearance in his final Star Wars movie. To complete this little self-referential cameo, his cane prop even featured a very small Death Star at the top. The lady Baron Papanoida is talking to is Senator Cheekwe. Baron Papanoida's daughter, who is played by George Lucas's daughter, Katie. This isn't Katie's first acting appearance in the Star Wars movies, however. She actually appears as a different character in each of the prequels. She played one of Anakin's kiddie friends called Amy in The Phantom Menace, and a purple Twi'lek going by the porn starlet-esque name of Lune Minx during the bar scene of Attack of the Clones. Katie Lucas also wrote a lot of episodes for the Clone Wars animation, which rather being the nepotistic folly that you suspect it might be, it actually turned out to be a good move, as Lucas penned some of the most exciting episodes of the now-defunct series. So, burger off, Dr. Cynical Pants. And speaking of cameos, number three, Senator Greb Lips. The Phantom Menace build-up and aftermath coincided with the unstoppable rise of home internet access. And there's a good chance the first thing nerds did after picking up their BT internet access CDs from Dixon's was to look up information about the first Star Wars movie in nearly 20 years. Geeky forums reverberate with caps-locked tap declarations that it was the best movie ever. Until they actually saw it, and then the Phantom Menace forum titles were soon altered to The worst movie ever! One of the other things that filled forums after the release of The Phantom Menace was that loads of people noticed three ETs during the Senate scenes. 
or rather one person noticed it, posted it online, then everyone claimed they saw it. No, you didn't, you porky pie teller. I can see the smoke billowing from your undercrackers as clear as day, sir. And it's a throwaway Easter egg. A nod of mutual respect between Indiana Jones co-creators Lucas and Spielberg after the little Star Wars references in Spielberg's E.T. Or is it? Well, yeah, it is, but the E.T.'s are counted as part of the canon. Thanks to the unnecessary slavish attention to detail of Star Wars nerds, we now know that the home E.T. was referring to in the E.T. movie was called Brodo Asogi. And did you know that one of those three red-fingered senators actually had a name? The chap at the front of the pod is Senator Greblips. There's not a lot written about him, barring the fact that his name is Spielberg written backwards, which you could have worked out for yourself if this was written down rather than me speaking. Now, according to uh, a little online in-universe dispatch called Holonet News, which was used to advertise the then-upcoming Attack of the Clones movie, Senator Greblitz was interested in funding an expedition to another faraway galaxy. Could one of those explorers have been the E.T. that we saw on screen? He seems to recognise Yoda, doesn't he? Hmm... Number two, Babo. Babo was a member of Jabba's court during the events of Return of the Jedi. He acted as a bodyguard to the lower limb deficient fatty hut, having been a spy and an assassin for a great many years in the Outer Rim. Bubbo had thwarted a plan by the three-eyed horse-faced Gran Reyes to assassinate the chubby crime lord using a bomb that had been sneaked under Bubbo's skin while he was asleep. Bubbo wasn't present during the events near the Sarlacc pit and ended up sharing Jabba's palace with some monks who had originally built the citadel before Jabba had walked in and started squatting there, the big fat chump. Finding great peace and spiritual calmness with the monks and coming to an end of his natural life, Bobbo willingly allowed the monks to transfer his consciousness into a spider droid where he could ponder the infinite for all eternity. And that's it. Oh, wait, uh, hang on. Did I forget to mention that Bobbo was that thing that looked like a cross between a frog and a dog? You know, the little thing. Yeah. Yeah, all those things were about him. Um, right, anyway, there is an inhabitant of Jabba's palace with an even weirder backstory. Number one, Yana Dalgargan. Jabba the Hutt certainly has an eye for the ladies for a morbidly obese guy with no genitals. He had Twilic maidens on chains seen as the Star Wars galaxy's most attractive feminine form. If you're a fan of blue chicks with dicks for hair, that is. And let's not forget, he pulled Princess Leia into a metal bikini responsible for more spotty virgin custard slinging than any scene ever. In retrospect, Jabba caught lightning in a bottle as we soon lost Carrie Fisher as the most desirable woman on the earth to a mixture of drugs, food and the inevitable march of time within a few years. One lady who looked particularly out of place was that middle-aged six-breasted lady seen dancing in the background during the Max Rebo band performance during Return of the Jedi. It was like looking at a sci-fi version of one of those early 40s women who go to clubs with their 19-year-old daughters fishing around for the you-two-could-be-sisters compliment and ready to swoop on the vulnerable, buck-toothed, hair-greased, blue-shirted, desperate cases at 2am. Now, Yana de Gorgon was from a desert race called the Askarji, and the name Yana apparently translates as pretty in their dialect. Right? Well, no, she was actually considered extremely attractive in the Star Wars galaxy. Remember, these are the guys 
were like chicks with dicks for hair. After the destruction of the cell budget that killed her owner, Yana was recruited as a successful model and danced the dance of 70 veils at the wedding of Han and Leia Solo Organa. Now you may be thinking, is everyone in the Star Wars universe affected by some sort of immense short-sightedness? I mean, I've certainly never seen any opticians in the background scenes of Coruscant or Masaizi, so it could be that. But remember, the post-Jedi stuff is unseen extended universe bullshit. Maybe Yana lost weight after returning to Jedi. In short, yes she did. You see, Jabba fattened her up and covered her face in Morty makeup. Why would he do that? Well, he wanted Yana to resemble his mother. Yes, Jabba was up to his formless tadpole shoulders in the Oedipus complex. Now, if I was to tell you that Jabba's mother Zorba was actually a dude, well, that might be opening up a can of worms that cannot be resealed, or even covered with a bit of cling film and put back in the fridge for later. So, I'm going to leave the story of Yana Del Gargan, and indeed this brief adventure into official Star Wars backstory bollocks right here. I have merely scratched the surface here, trust me. There are some even weirder characters invented for the expanding universe, and we may explore that in the future. If I can actually be asked to do, like, research again. Ugh. But for now, normal backstory bollock service resumes next week. Don't worry, I've been lying every day since the last one to keep the old nonsense synapses a snapping and a crackling. I love you, Milksters. See? Everything's okay. I'm still lying. Now, turn around, walk out that door, and let me see the ass move, homegirl. the milk it podcast <laughs> as always uh, it was episode 19 we got there episode 19 next time is episode 20 which promises to be an amazing episode we've got several things planned which i'm sure you'll all enjoy but stay tuned and uh, stay on our facebook page it's facebook.com forward slash milking it because that is the place where we update with all our information remember you can always email us it's milking it podcast at gmail.com Com. Tell your friends they can listen to us on iTunes. Or now, can you imagine, as we told you at the start, you can now listen to us via the Stitcher radio app, which means you can listen online. You can listen in your car if you're in the States. You can listen anywhere you like, as long as you've got your Android or iOS device. You can hear us, and please do rate and review, because that helps us, and we can... We can conquer the world, as we've said before. Uh, so yes, so join us for episode 20 in a few days' time. We will be here and we will have lots more geek news and we will be uh, going through more and more of the things you adore. That's right. So uh, I just want to thank uh, everyone that listens. Uh, so from myself, Boulamont, and from Mr. David Davis, want to thank you for keeping it here at the peak of all that is geek and join us next week for the Milking It podcast. Oh, and check out the Totally Insane Tape Show. What? I've got the feeling. Got a million.
Um, Hold on, mate. I've got barking dogs here. Can, are they coming? Are they no, coming through? Or not at all, dude. Really? Um, wow. A little bit, but it's got it's got Shut a kind up, of Coco. Uh, <laughs> it's got a very Kevin Smith vibe. Quiet, Shaggy. Um, it's cool. Don't, don't worry. Shut about it, the Coco. Dogs. Coco. I'll get you. I'll take them legs. Oh, lovely. Right. <laughs> Where were we? <clears throat> Batman vs Superman. Um, sorry, and, and superhero films in general. I actually watched the Black Widow Punisher movie last night. Oh, okay. Oh, fucking phone's ringing. Sorry, 